It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out my Twitter, Brian Cat NFL, and Paul's Fanatic, that's with a PH, Fanatic underscore pick. It's been 298 days since the Dolphins' Miami miracle where Kenyon Drake took the ball into the end zone after a million laterals, and that was the Dolphins' last victory. It's been 10 losses in between. that They got off to an 0-7 start this year, and now we can finally say that the Dolphins are not going to go 0-16 this year. They beat the New York Jets today 23-18 to in a game that we did both predict for them to win. But, Paul, when you look at it, if – if you're the biggest Jets hater, it, you're loving today because the Dolphins win. But if you're in it completely for the draft position, today has to be a nightmare for those people because the Dolphins at the end of this day, right now in the first round, their picks are fourth, 16th, and 24th after the Texans and the Steelers win today. They are. And for the draft position crowd, I'm just going to – politely phrase this as eat me um it's you look at what is going to be available at the top end of the draft in all seriousness you know right now as it stands you've got Tua Tagliavola who I'm a fan of you've got Joe Burrow who I'm a fan of you've got Chase Young who I'm a fan of and at worst at absolute worst if you're picking fourth maybe you end up getting stuck with a premier left tackle and Andrew Thomas. So, you know what? I'm good with any of those. While I want a quarterback of the future here, obviously, Kat, you know, I've been a big Joe Burrow fan since everyone had him projected in the sixth round. But it's, in reality, Miami's going to be a better team for whoever they draft fourth overall if they stick to the board that's out there. Yeah, I when I look at the Dolphins, assuming they're picking the top five, I can't get away from it has to be a quarterback. You know, I, I think what you're saying sounds good, but I don't think that's what the Dolphins are going to do because it, it has to be – I have to look at it and say, if at the end of all of this, you know, whether you win one game, three games, four games, whatever it is, at the end of all this, if you come away and you just come away with a left tackle or a pass rusher, I don't think that's going to solve anything, at least in in the minds of a lot of Dolphins fans, even though you might be taking a better positional player. You might, but you know what? You look at it this way. Miami should be able to build a hell of a team this offseason. They really should. And at the very worst, you go into 2019 – or 2020, with Rosen or Fitzpatrick at quarterback with a hell of a team built around them, see what you can do, and then you still have the draft ammunition in 2021 to go up and go after a guy like Lawrence, if, if, if at all possible. So Miami's got the ammunition to go after guys. And for me, build, build the damn team. Hopefully they can get either Tua or Burrow. But if not, you build the damn team. And then if you've got the team in place, you sacrifice a little bit to make that move up and, and go after Lawrence. They, they've never in the past, 
God, 20 years since Marino retired, had the ammunition to go up after that quarterback. And in either of these drafts, they've got the ammo to go up after. Do I like seeing them sacrifice draft picks? No. But if they can build a team this offseason and get their quarterback of the future the next one and plug him in into a ready-made team where he's not going to get gun-shy from being beat to all hell, you know, I can see a case for that as well. Yeah, I and I think your case is a good one. I just don't think it's going to happen. And that that's my big thing on it is is after all of this, if you're going into next season with a Josh Rosen or a Ryan Fitzpatrick, a quarterback, I, I, I think there are a lot of fans, rightfully so, that – that are behind this tank. I mean, you look at Twitter, and, and I say good for them that they actually want this for the long-term betterment of the team. But also when – I mean, they I, – I can understand the tank crowd, but I can also understand people wanting the Dolphins to beat the New York Jets here. So, let's anyway, let's get into that game. We have all offseason to talk about the draft and, and free agents. But uh, just a quick rundown here, the – with two minutes left in the first quarter, the Jets are up 7 to nothing with the ball at the Dolphins' 25. Christian Wilkins gets a huge sack. That leads to a missed field goal. And over the next 14 minutes, the Dolphins put together three touchdown drives to make it 21-7. to Ryan Fitzpatrick throws three touchdowns, two of them to Preston Williams, one of them with a great one-handed catch by Devontae Parker. They – they really had the edge over them all day against cornerbacks Daryl Roberts and Nate Hairston. The Jets driving down at the end of the first half. They get into the Dolphins' red zone, and they should have had a touchdown by Ryan Griffin. It was overturned. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, and then on the next play, Raekwon McMillan blitzes Darnold. Interception by Jamal Wiltz. And after a uh, safety and a field goal, it's 21-15 to there at halftime. Excuse me, 21-12 to at halftime. And then from that point... The Dolphins kind of leaned on the Jets the rest of the game, but always had the game very firmly in hand here. They did, and the Jets just didn't have an answer for them on, on defense when, when they started throwing to the big, tall wide receivers, when they started throwing to Mike Kosicki. And really, Miami didn't have to get into the business of running the ball because they didn't have a big enough uh, big enough lead here. And it just it, things were working with – with them literally outmatching the corners and linebackers with, with the two receivers and, and, and with Kasiki. I mean, Christ, Devontae Parker would have had even more yardage if they didn't have that phantom offensive pass interference call. Yeah, you bet. That was terrible. <laughs> and that would have been another 30-yard play by Devontae Parker. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, and he sold that, too, uh, on, that, on that play. What a shame on that. But, yeah, he, they, they still put up two very good stat lines. And going back to what we said before, Paul, is when I take a look at the Dolphins roster, we, we know it's not a talented team. In fact, I take it a step further and say it's the least talented team in the NFL. But when you look at Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Kosicki, Vince Beagle, John Jenkins, week after week, you're starting to see more and more players step up and could be contributing factors over the next couple of years. That's why if if that's the case and the Dolphins do end up winning three or four games this year and don't have a top, you know, two or three pick, it, it will have meant that this coaching staff was very, very good this year and a lot of the talent greatly overperformed. It will, and you look at what they're going to be able to do, and I know I keep harping on this, with 
if they can do that with these players, imagine what they can do with what Greer can build with that free agency capital. Look at what they could do with a bounty and bevy of, of high-end draft picks. I mean, you look at what this staff gets out of people pulled off the street, it makes me very excited for what this staff can get out of what I hate to say uh, is is better than a CFL roster. Uh, the a good chunk of Miami's roster today is basically the equivalent of a CFL roster. If I'm being a thousand percent honest, yeah, I mean it, I it, love my team. It just is. It it sure is, and you know that's where it's it's not so much that they're okay. Look at defensive back; they're completely wiped out. They don't have a pass rusher. Their offensive line is terrible. They, but they do have some wide receivers. They have some tight ends. Uh, you know, Davin Gotcha and Christian Wilkins and, and Raekwon McMillan. I, I think they've got some pieces on both sides of the ball. I just don't think they have them in the right spots yet. But that's what the, these draft picks and that's what free agency here is going to be for over the next couple of years. So let's take a look at the positional grades here, Paul. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, what I like about what he's doing, and again, we were both against – Josh Rosen being pulled from the lineup because we thought we got to see what this kid's made out of. But since Fitzpatrick's come in, you know, we've seen the wide receiver in tight end spot take off a lot more. I mean, in this game here, when Preston Williams and Devontae Parker were beating their matchups one and one on the outside, that slant pass has been there and they're on a good rhythm and a good timing with that, with two very big receivers. And also, too, kudos to him for being on the same page with Mike Kosicki, who had six catches for 95 yards. And when you look at at the stat line of Ryan Fitzpatrick from when he came into the Redskins game, over the last three and a half games, 80 for 123, so he's completing 65% of his passes in the last three and a half games, 892 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, quarterback rating of over 95. Not bad for... Uh, for somebody who doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to work with, you know, you've got to deal with the Ryan Fitzpatrick-esque mistakes. We saw that today with when he dropped the ball and it somehow became a safety. And, you know, he had a lot of passes batted down too. And I think there was another bonehead mistake that I'm, I'm forgetting along the way, but he definitely did what needed to be done to win the game. So overall, I'm going to give Fitzpatrick and, and the quarterback spot a B plus here. I'm going to go with an A-, and it's funny you brought up that safety because I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with that. I mean, was he in the end zone? Was he out of the end zone? I'm still not 1,000% sure, even after seeing numerous replays in this one. And given that fact, given the fact that I can't tell you with 1,000% certainty if he was in or out of the, the end zone when he actually got possession of the ball, that call shouldn't have been overturned whichever way it went. So if at first they had ruled it a safety, it should have stayed a safety. Because they had ruled him out at the half-yard line, that ball should have been at the, at the half-yard line. There was no camera angle with any evidence that he was in the end zone when he or the ball was in the end zone at the point in time that he recovered the, the botched snap. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave that at that. But... In reality, he came out, he led this team. I mean, I, I'd still like to see Rosen in there. I want to see his development over the rest of the year because, let's face it, we're already in the offseason here with this team, uh, win, win, lose, or draw. 
Miami is in the off season already or preseason so, or whatever we want to call it. But for so, me, a minus for, for Fitzpatrick. So let me, uh, let me say, let me ask you this, Paul, I'll put you on the spot since we're talking about the off season so much. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick is due five and a half million dollars next year. The dolphins have $150 million to spend. Uh, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick continues to play at this level for the rest of the year, do you bring him back at five and a half million next year? And not start him, but have him as have him in the quarterback room, and have him uh, at least in a worst case scenario as a really good backup. See, for me right now, I, I don't have a clear cut answer because I need to see what Rosen has. If Rosen doesn't have it, hell yeah, bring bring Fitzpatrick back. If Rosen develops over the course of the final you know, weeks of the season or two months of the season, maybe you don't. And you can spend that money elsewhere, like improving the offensive line or improving the secondary or, you know, getting a premier pass rusher. I mean, it, it's, it'd be nice to have that answer. I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see about that. I don't know if Rosen's going to get that shot again. And I really wouldn't mind either if, Rosen is that third quarterback, and and maybe you can try to flip him for I don't know maybe maybe a fourth or fifth round pick if if you know if, if he has any value left. But anyway, we're we're going off on a little bit of a tangent there. I, I knew that would happen when I asked it, but uh, let's go on to the running back spot there, Paul. I'll throw it to you. Oh God, this should be an incomplete. I mean, they didn't have a lot of attempts today, but they didn't do a huge amount with the attempts that they had in this game. I mean, Mark Walton, I believe, had two and a half yards per carry, 2.7 yards per carry. He he did have a couple of nice runs. Um, <clears throat> you look at the receiving game with these guys, he, he only had three catches for 12 yards, and Kalen Balage was just Balage-ish. Um, you know, uh, Bilage, I'm, I apologize. Balaj had the 2.7, Walton had 2.4, and that tells you right there. They weren't able to get a lot going in the run game, but they also didn't have a huge number of attempts. So, for me, I'll give them a C-, but it's really an incomplete at this point. Yeah, I'm going to go with a D for a lot of the reasons you said there. Uh, Mark Walton, 12 carries for 29 yards. Not many holes to run through. I thought he ran better today. I thought Kalen Balaj had the holes, but seven carries, 19 yards. He did get up to two yards a carry on the season, though. So, kudos to Kalen Balaj for that, but yeah, I, I'd like to see Walton back. I, I don't want to see Balaj anywhere in the building unless he, he's going to show something. But I, I, I don't see that happening. So I'm going to go with a, with a D at the running back spot. Receivers and tight ends. I'm not just. I, I'm gonna, I'll throw it back to you again, there, Paul, because I, I don't want to just stick you with running back and then then take it off of myself <laughs> on wide receiver and tight end. I, I was gonna say, are you taking all the good grades and sticking me with all the bad? God, no, it's. Uh... I look at the receivers and tight ends, and what an inspiring game this was. I mean, who'd have thought that I'd be calling for a Devontae Parker extension halfway through the NFL season, looking at what we had to say about him in the offseason? And really, to be fair, over the course of last season, over last preseason, over the season before that, Devontae Parker looked like uh, somebody got sold a, a, a bill of goods uh, as as my grandmother would have said, and now he just he looks the part of that player that that we wanted. He had a bad drop early on, but he really made up for it. He got 
hose with a pass interference call, and he still made up for it from there. And then you look at Preston Williams, who was all over the field today. And then you had Gesicki leading the team in receiving, something we never thought we'd say after what we saw from him his rookie year. And he looked fired up out there. And it was great to see, especially with an expanded role, given the fact that O'Leary was cut this past week. So really, you look at those guys, and it was awesome to see. I, I was a little surprised that they did not get Albert Wilson more involved. I think he only had one catch for under five yards. But it was also nice to see Jakeem Grant start to get a little bit involved, even though not to a huge degree. Yeah, so what's your grade? I'm going to go with an A-minus here. I'm right they there really with the A-minus. took the I mean, game over. What a, you took the words right out of my mouth. Very inspiring effort here. Mike Kosicki, you know, a, a guy that, frankly, we didn't want to draft. We wanted Dallas Goddard ahead of him. But he's starting to look the part. And just the confidence and – how he looks when he catches the ball, it looks like he knows what he's doing now. He, he turns his head upfield, and he's looking to get to that next spot, whether it's going out of bounds, whether it's turning it upfield. But now you take a look at the last four games uh, since Fitzpatrick's come into the lineup. Against the Redskins, he had seven – or he had three catches for 51 yards. Against the Bills, he had four for 41 and had a 29-yarder called back. Uh, nothing against Pittsburgh, not a surprise because of their inside linebacker speed. And now today, six catches for 95 yards. So it's it's certainly going to be fun to watch him as the weeks go on because I, I think we've we may have found something here. And Preston Williams, if you take a look at what he's on pace for after eight games, he has 32 catches, 428 yards, three touchdowns. So he would be on pace, I believe to have the most receiving yards by an undrafted rookie. I think Wayne Krebet had a little bit less or a little bit more than that 856 he's on pace for. But, man, oh, man, did he win those one-on-one battles today. And he won those one-on-one battles early in the Steelers game against Joe Hayden uh, on those crossing routes. He's got that power forward size, and the drops and the mistakes are becoming less and less frequent. So he also drew – uh, a long pass interference penalty, too, which is, in my book, just as good as, as a 30-yard catch. So great for him. Devontae Parker, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, he had another touchdown. That's four on the year. He had a one-handed catch. And there was that um, catch where he was called for offensive pass interference. Should have been a 30-yard catch. It was a bogus penalty. I can't believe they didn't overturn it either on there, too. But that and, and I like that with Jakeem Grant, they're getting him more involved. Back-to-back weeks where he's 33 yards, doesn't sound like a lot, but had a terrible start to the year. And this is the difference between Brian Flores and Adam Gase. When Jakeem Grant struggles early in the year, uh, Adam Gase punishes the guy. He benches him. He gets somebody in there that's less talented, where Brian Flores and, and Chad O'Shea find a role for him. So kudos there. I'm going to go with an A-minus as well. <clears throat> the offensive line... I mean, it's just not a good unit. I mean, we we can we could say pretty much the same things week in and week out. A little bit of a surprise that Shaq Calhoun was uh, inactive in this game at right guard. Uh, Chris Reed and, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his first name, but his last name, Sutherland, got the snaps today. I thought Chris Reed had a very good game at right guard. I thought Jesse Davis played well at right tackle, but uh, real disappointed with the play of Evan Bame. In this game, I, I thought it was by far his worst game. He got turned around and shoved back a lot, one of which was an, an embarrassing one being shoved back by uh, your former uh, UConn buddy there for the Jets. Uh, at Malik left guard, Fajikasi. 
Yeah, yeah. He's he's who's, who you know isn't very good. So, <laughs> and then at left he's guard you got Michael pass. Dieter, he, who just gets worse every week. And and yeah, you know, and and Jamarcus Webb is what he is. They the Dolphins ran for two two and a half yards a carry, and Fitzpatrick was sacked um, sacked four times. So overall, I I can't get behind this offensive line still, but. It, wasn't terrible, but still not all that great. I'm going to go with a C minus. I'm going to go with a C plus for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, and and you're you're absolutely right. Foley Fatakasi, as as we talked about in our pregame episode, he is a run plugger who doesn't have speed and really is just good at anchoring his fat ass in the middle. Uh, he has a little bit of short area quickness, but he does not have the speed to be a pass rusher or any type of force in the pass game and yet he he blew through a couple of times batted a pass down and and really was more of a nuisance than he should have been given the fact that he can't get out of his stance with any form of quickness so yeah it's fully Fatakasi shouldn't beat you but this line is what they are I mean it's you know you were talking about Sutherland and not knowing his first name and my first thought is you said it was eh I'll learn the first name of whoever's starting a guard next week. We're good on that one. So, you know, that that should tell you right there how things have played out with this offensive line this season. I mean, it, it's – I don't have an exact number on the number of starters we've had thus far. I'm sure that's something that one of our listeners will probably let us know down in the comments. But in reality, I, I can go for go with a C-plus and only because, uh, to quote Denny Green, they are who we thought they were. You know, it's that that's what we have on the offensive line right now. We've made no secret of the fact that there needs to be some building done this offseason. That is for sure. Not, I mean, every last position needs to be refilled. And I don't think Michael Dieter should be safe based on the way he's played this year. I, I would actually like to see him kick over to center. Uh, and if, if not for that, then I, you know, I'd like him to be a swing man at those backup positions. But, he is a rookie, and I think we forgot that when when he was drafted out of Wisconsin. That you know he's not a plug and play type of guy because he 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 just can't handle it yet. There was an embarrassing play against uh, Quinn and Williams, where basically he blocked the wrong guy. He double teamed the person inside with Evan Bame. Quinn and Williams uh, almost killed Ryan Fitzpatrick on that play. We see too many of those with Dieter and not enough good blocks. So on the defensive side of the ball, Sam Darnold starts the game. 14 for 15, 145 yards and a touchdown. And I'm starting to think halfway through the Jets' second drive, this this is going to be a blowout. These Adam Gase-led teams don't get off to quick starts. And they certainly did. Or it was looking like they were going to here in the early going. And But he finished the game after going 14 for 15 for 145 yards and a touchdown, finishes 13 for 24 for 115 yards, an interception, and an embarrassing fumble where it looks like he just gave up on the play. Le'Veon Bell, 17 carries, 66 yards, so a little under four yards a carry, so pretty good job against him. Not a lot of running room, but Bell willed his way several more yards after he got into the hole. But uh, starting with the front seven, you know, we threw down a challenge to Christian Wilkins that he was not living up to the hype of being that 13th overall pick. Well, he must have listened to the show here because he certainly brought it this game. Uh, that sack on Sam Darnold in the Jets' second drive, if he doesn't get that, then the Jets may be up 10 to nothing, and who knows how that game goes with the Jets up two scores. Um, so dominant defensive performance from him, and 
Davin Gotchar was his usual solid self. Vince Beagle continues to get in the backfield, even if he's not causing sacks. He's creating havoc back there. Uh, Taco Charlton, I, I, he missed an easy touchdown after Darnold missed the snap. I don't think he had a very good game. Charles Harris may have actually played the best game I've seen in a long time, which isn't saying much, but but um, pretty good, pretty good game from him. Raquan McMillan had that um, caused that interception. Um, so yeah, overall pretty solid game there from the from the front seven. Not a great pass rush, but certainly enough of a pass rush. So I'm going to give them when I look at the front seven. I'm going to go ahead and give them a solid B. I'm going to go with a B plus for the front seven for a lot of the reasons you said. I really like the performance from from Wilkins and Gachow in the middle. Uh, I know I was pretty critical of Wilkins in our pregame episode, so like you said, he must have listened to the show and said, "F you guys, I'm throwing you guys on the coke bus this week." But in reality, you look at the fact that they held a pretty damn good running back in Le'Veon Bell to 3.9 yards per carry. You look at the fact that they did hit Darnold a little more often than, than the stat line is going to reflect in the sack numbers. Rake McMillan and Vince Beagle continue to be an absolute nuisance uh, in, in the backfield. And I agree. It, it's, you know, I think I messaged you partway through the second quarter with the fact that, you know, I, I watched two plays in a row where it almost looked like Charles Harris had an explosive first step and I was confused. Uh, absolutely downright befuddled because even when you look back at his college tape, I didn't feel like he had an explosive first step. This is the first I've ever seen of it. So I'm a little curious with that going into next week. It's something I'm going to keep an eye out for in next week's game. But yeah, Taco Charlton, you already know, I'm not sold on him as the pass rush answer for the Dolphins. He just is so feast or famine, and his feasts are very, very few, far between, and minuscule at times. So I I can't say that even he's somebody I want around next year. I'd really like to see Miami rebuild their pass rush stable and possibly eject both of those guys. Yeah, I certainly don't see Charles Harris, Taco Charlton, and Robert Kandice being part of this future. I mean, they're former first-round bust. Rarely does that get turned around. Um, So... Yeah, I'm 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 not a I'm not very hopeful really about any of the three guys. But Taco Charlton does have four sacks this year. Hopefully, he continues to get better and better. Uh, you know, he he's a long, thin pass rusher. So, yeah, but I mean, other than other than getting one or two plays a game where he gets some pressure or he gets a sack, where he always seems to be in the right place at the right time, n- not exactly not exactly somebody I'm incredibly hopeful. For either, even though he has shown flashes. At defensive back, the Dolphins did not have Xavier Howard. He's out for the year. They didn't even have Ken Webster, and I'm, I'm hoping the Dolphins can get him back soon because I, I do think he has a lot of promise still. Eric Rowe plays safety with Bobby McCain back there. These, the, uh, these cornerbacks, uh, you know, even though with when we're talking about fifth, sixth, seventh cornerbacks, they certainly play their butts off. That, that's for sure. I mean, Ryan, Ryan Lewis, Chris Lehmans, or Chris Lamans, excuse me. These types of players, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they, they probably should not be starting in NFL games, to be quite honest with you. But they get out there, and, and they look a lot stickier in man-to-man coverage than I would have thought. So 
it, when you look at how they, they recovered after Darnold, you know, completes 14 of his 15 passes, I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to tip my hats to them, not just because of the effort, but also because of how they played in the last three quarters of the game. So I, I'm going to give them a B. Yeah, and you look at the end of this one, that last drive that the Jets had, and really Sam got maybe, I don't know, 70 yards uh, against garbage time prevent defense at the end of the game there. So they really held Sam to just over 200 yards, I think, in this game. And you look back at that, or actually possibly even just under 200 yards, not counting the garbage time prevent, you know, dink and dunk garbage that they that they got there. And then you look back at the things that they were able to do. The fact that Jam- Jamal Wiltz was able to jump that route after the um, Ryan Griffin bobble in the end zone. You look at the fact that Nick Needham was able to come up with an absolutely critical, crucial monster sack of Sam Darnold. And what what really is a, a ghost of a secondary right now sure did seem to have Sam Darnold seeing ghosts like we heard heard him on mic'd up a few weeks ago. So I can easily give these guys, you know what, I'm going to give these guys an A- minus again because they really did a great job against a pretty good receiving core in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd give them an A- minus if it were for effort. I, I, I can't quite give them give them that high grade because Darnold still threw for 260 yards and they, they came out swinging, but man, oh man, um, Brian Flores has this defense playing above their talent level. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see what happens when they actually have 11 starting caliber players here on special teams. I don't know what it is with Matt Hawk and playing the New York jets, but every time he plays them, he is absolutely phenomenal. I, I can't remember the stats from last year off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that he punted somewhere like 19 times against them last year, and, and he buried them inside their 15, like 12 of those times. Uh, and in this game, what a huge play early on when the Dolphins are down 7 to nothing, and then, then they go 3 and out on their first drive, and Matt, they need a huge punt, and Matt Hawk, Matt Hawk bombs it 60 plus yards and the jets have the ball back at their own 30 something. So the big kick there. And then he, he shoves them back inside their own 15 yard line two more times in this game. So kudos to him. I just hope he can play consistently at the level that he's shown over the last three or four games, Jason Sanders. I missed another field goal, but he only tries one every two or three games. So uh, I think it may just be, be a case of, of he just knocking the, rust the, off. the old leg oiled up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and then you look at, to round it out, you look at the coverage units. Very uncharacteristically, the Dolphins gave up a long return to Vincent Smith. I blame Jamal Wiltz on that. He, uh, he had him for the tackle. He broke it, and then he went another about 60 yards. Luckily, Wiltz came back a few plays later and got that interception, so he certainly made up for it. Um, Jakeem Grant is trying to do too much on returns again. Preston Williams, even though he's he's doing his job on punt returns, with how valuable he is to the receiving unit, I, I just don't want to see him back there. I think that's an additional hit he has to take, and yeah, I'm not, not quite sure about that. But overall, the special teams unit with Hawk, 
um, making such key punts there. But there were some mistakes with Jamal Wilson, with, with Jason Sanders here. So overall, I'm going to go with the B minus. I'm right with you on the B minus on this one. It's that kick coverage error, which let's face it, I'd I'd say that he broke the tackle from Jamal Wiltz, but Jamal Wiltz didn't rack up, wrap up. So he just kind of ran into him and then just said, okay, you're not going to wrap me up. I'm going to bounce off you and race another 60 yards. So, you know, it's literally that play could have been saved by Jamal Wiltz wrapping up. That's it. Fundamental, basic football that I'm sorry in a coverage unit. I just need to see guys that wrap up. And if Wilts can't do that, he needs to stick to just defense. I'm glad he made up for it a few plays later, but that doesn't excuse him on special teams for me. I'm with you on Matt Hawk. I'm a little disappointed in Jason Sanders to be a a thousand percent honest here. And you know, it's Miami's not a good enough team to get away with missing numerous field goals in a year. And I, you know, no matter how often it is, we need to see Sanders get more reliable in, in, in that kicking game. I'm tired of there being some facet of special teams each week that we have to go, ah, if only that had been better. You know what? Special teams is something that should be a bread and butter, even when you're stuck trying to rebuild at other positions. I mean, the special teams should be able to be reliable based on the units that are there, based on the fact that they, they've got so many young players that are hungry to be in the NFL at all, let alone – you know, on a game day roster and, you know, the, their coverage unit blows a play like that. It's, it's, it's not a good look for me. And yeah, I'll give it's, them a B it's, minus, it's always but it's not a happy sure. one. It's always, it's always something that there's no doubt about that. So Paul, who's your, uh, who's your player of the game and who's your Coke bus player of the game? Player of the game. I, I've got to give it to Mike Gusecki. It's he, some of it's the surprise at his development this year, but really I've got to give it to Gasicki. I almost gave it to Christian Wilkins, but but Gasicki was such a goddamn pest to that Jets defense, and they didn't really have an answer for him in this one. Um, you know, and we've talked about him so many times already in this episode that yeah, I've got to go with Gasicki on this one. As far as a Coke bus player. Uh, I'm going to go with Evan Bame, even though I like him here. I like him for the future. I want him to be part of this roster as we move forward. But given, given the issues we outlined in the, uh, in the, in the offensive line segment of it, I've got to throw him on that Coke bus. Yeah. Uh, my player of the game has to be Preston Williams. I mean, he's, he's a constant mismatch out there on the outside. I mean, what five five catches for eighty plus yards, two touchdowns, and drew a thirty yard pass interference penalty. I mean that's the difference in the game with those big plays that he created there. Allowed the Dolphins to go up twenty one to seven. I mean Fitzpatrick and Gasicki and Devontae Parker had a lot to do with that too. But what what a mismatch problem this guy is becoming uh, out there on the outside, and he's not dropping as many passes as he was before. I think he had one today, but you know it was with pretty, pretty minimal impact too. Uh, yeah, my Coke bus player of the game, I've got to give it to, since you took Evan Bame, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Michael Dieter again. I mean, I, I think this guy is a flat out liability at this point at left guard. I mean, he, he makes two or three key mas- mistakes a game and he's not shoving that line forward at any point throughout the game. I mean, he was pushed back. Mark Walton got hit in the backfield several times 
too, uh, even without factoring in when Quinn and Williams got the best of them. So to wrap it up, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Adam Gaze at all. I mean, the Dolphins get get their win over Adam Gaze, and he's talking to the New York media afterward, and they a question that the New York media, I think it was New York Post, asked him was, do you think Steve Ross, I, I, I can't remember the exact words, but do you think Steve Ross was was uh, justified in firing you after this, after what we saw here today? And he said, I'm, I'm not going to answer a question like that. That's ridiculous. Well, Adam Gase doesn't seem to want to answer any question. So, Tim, every question he got here in Miami and here in New York are all ridiculous. And, and it would be a lot easier to just say, hey, I wish the guy the best if he weren't such a dick. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's It's – Please, I want to beg our listeners here. Uh, Greg Likens and I put out today a caption this moment of Adam Gase sitting on the bench with no one within 15 yards of him coloring on his damn laminated play sheets again like we've all gotten way too familiar with from his time in Miami and the fact that he looked like such a prick sitting by himself when he's supposed to be up head coaching a game. Yeah, let's. Uh, so, if you're listening to this, please, 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 please go out and throw a caption on that one. It's you know we're having a little bit of fun there, but you know what? I heard a lot of Dolphins fans were chanting "Fire Gaze." No, 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 no. Yeah. We as Dolphins fans should want the New York Jets to lock Adam Gase up with a lifetime contract to be there and be the head coach for as long as he damn well pleases, because. They will never be a good football team with Adam Gase at the head coach spot. We know this is Dolphins fans. We know this is football fans. Yeah. They will not. That is for sure. And with Adam with Adam Gase, I don't think he's going to last the rest of the year, unfortunately. Uh, and, and they're going to turn it over there again. Just a absolute dumpster fire from uh, from top to bottom. And, Paul, I understand before we sign off, you, you, have, another, uh, you have another personal – drop into half too yeah i gotta you know me you know i don't throw many of those personal things out there but it's i gotta congratulate my little peewee team for uh winning their little gold bowl at the end of of the season here this this past weekend it's you know not only did the dolphins win but i got to watch my little six to eight year olds go out and and really kick some butt in a game that that you know they really deserve to win so that was a great thing to see and and it was a ton of fun watching that or actually really coaching that one, but the players are the ones that want it and, and just want to congratulate them right here. Awesome. Great. Great to hear. And, and, uh, I don't know, maybe Paul will be in line for the, for the Jets coaching job, uh, during the next couple of years. We'll, we'll, we'll see here. Um, I'll do the Dolphins fans proud. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins win. Over the New York Jets, you can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's with a PH. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do.
American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.